Do you really know what you need from God? Do you know how to ask for it? This is Benjamin Sapir, Peabody-nominated radio host and spiritual scholar, giving you the knowledge you need to empower your relationship with your Creator. You're listening to Prescription Talk Radio live on 1160 AM WVNJ The Voice and streaming live on the Internet at www.wvnj.com. Give us a call, 1-800-962-1160. We're here to connect you to God. What is your relationship with God? You, as you have God, who's the me in that relationship? When you reach out to God, is it for yourself or is it for God's behalf? Think about that. Me. Oh, questions. He wasn't interested in me. He was interested in me. Who is God really interested? What aspect of yourself is God most interested in? Is the question that we're going to start the show with. Today is Yom Hashua, the day of remembrance for the six million Jewish lives that were lost during the Holocaust. So let's try to dedicate the show to honor the memory of those six million souls and the loss to Am Yisrael and what they mean for humanity and how they continue to help us. May they never be forgotten. So uh, this is going to be a great broadcast. And we're going to begin again with some questions because last week's show seemed to have opened a cavalcade of emails to info at prayerscription.com info at prescription.com and I think that most of my listeners don't feel comfortable calling in the station. The number here is 1-800-962-1160 1-800-962-1160 Perhaps it's this uh, desire to be behind a screen of confession or something. They don't feel they would like to go on live air with their religious issues. But if you do feel comfortable doing that, you can give us a call or you can email and maybe we'll get to your questions on air. But I hope you've had a good week as you're thinking about the condition of the world and what we all need to do to reveal the divine presence. I have a lot going on in my personal life as well. I have a new book coming out, Prescriptions for Abundance of Wealth and Success. It'll be out hopefully by next Tuesday, the publisher has promised me with some issues in the in the galley copy I've received over the weekend. But hopefully we'll have a book, and I will try to read an excerpt from the book later on in the broadcast. But let's get to your questions first. What'll I do when you are far away and I am blue. What'll I do? Speaking of far away, our first question comes from a listener out in Taos, New Mexico. And they write, Dear Ben, thanks for doing whatever you are trying to do, but I want to ask you a deeply personal question. What do you think is the most effective prayer you have ever prayed, and why do you think it worked? And can anyone use that prayer, or does it only work for you or your particular faith practice? Keep up the work. John from New Mexico. Well, thank you, John, for that question. 
prayer is a, diff- a deeply intimate process that requires one to have an open relationship with God, and however that relationship manifests in your life allows the prayer to be effective. I'd like to say to you it was a particular form of prayer or formula of prayer, and what we try to do in prayer scriptions is look to the Bible for hints on how to phrase our prayers more effectively for better impact on revealing the divine presence that is amongst us, working with us and through us in creation. But sometimes we need to make an individual cry to God in our own voice, our own authentic voice, to open up that dialogue. And I've always found that when things get most despaired, when you really need to beg and implore and beseech God for some intervention, somehow the hand of God will lift and show you a path that you thought was not there in the first place. So to answer your question, what was the most effective prayer I have prayed? I would say a sincere prayer, when you just are really opened, vulnerable, and allow God complete communication. Do not hold anything back and just let it cry out. And eventually, the power of God will work wonders in your life. So our next listener writes, Dear Mr. Sapir, very formal, I accidentally found your podcasts on iTunes. Yes, we are on iTunes. Baruch Hashem, you could find Prescription Talk Radio on iTunes, but she found us on iTunes. Can you explain to me why your ministry is called Prescription Counseling, and what is your ultimate vision for this ministry? If I may ask, who is your role model, since, you, since your perspective seems very different than other prosperity gospel preachers out there? May God bless you in your endeavors, Angela from South Bend, Indiana. So the question is, why is it called prescription counseling, and what's the ultimate vision for this ministry? Very good question, Angela, and hopefully I have a very good answer for you. Prescription counseling, like the name suggests, is about healing the relationship between the self and God, and it's got a bigger vision. The ultimate vision for all of humanity, all of God's creation, is that through healing that communication between the individual and God, all of humanity will feel closer to God and feel free and liberated to express themselves. Now, to give you the impetus behind uh, the name Prayerscription and why particularly Prayerscription talk radio at this time. As most of you know out there who are listening to the radio, the country is very divided. Even from a religious perspective, institutions, theological institutions, theological doctrines, churches, synagogues, mosques, whatever house of worship with whom with which you affiliate, 
there is a polarity in our society. And prescription healing or prescription counseling was brought about as a way to heal people in terms of find the common divine that resonates in all creation. Every aspect around us that works through us has an aspect of holiness in it. We know from the Bible that if it doesn't have any holiness, it cannot exist. It has no life. So no matter how dark an action or an individual may make us feel, we have to search for the holiness and draw it out and bring it to a higher place. That takes a lot of work. And when we are unfocused as a people or creation of God through the abundance of opportunities for entertainment and self-indulgence and where we put our eyeballs between smartphones and televisions and computer councils and how we're trying to make our lives better or striving for bigger and better expressions of the self in social media, we're not really focusing on the commonality of creation. That aspect of the divine that runs through creation and gives everybody the same origin, the same source, because no matter where you are in your ideology, your politics, even your faith, there is a notion that we all come from one. And what makes the biblical story of Genesis, as I, you know, talk about on here so much, universal and timeless, even if you don't believe the literal interpretation, but the narrative itself is enduring and has tremendous, tremendous impact for how we understand our place in God's creation. So that's the ultimate vision. It really is meant to heal people and to heal bonds between all of us to manifest that oneness around us and in creation so we can help reveal God's presence working through us individually and collectively at different times. Now, the second part of your question, prosperity gospel, prosperity preachers like the Joel Olstein mode that if you believe in God, you're going to get a lot of money. Abundance is a very unique term and success and wealth come in many different shapes and sizes. Not all of us can have the same amount of wealth because if we all were equal, that would be different. But in the eyes of God, our creator, we are equal. And that equality has a certain liberating component that if we read the Bible, unlike other prosperity gospel preachers who say, if you do this and use this name, God's going to bless you abundantly. Your savings accounts are going to go up. Your credit card debt's going to go down. And you're going to come to my house of worship and give me a lot of money. And I'm going to write a lot of books and be worth a few hundred million dollars or whatever I'm worth. But I'm not like that. A, that's not the goal of the ministry here at Prescription Talk Radio. Our goal is to unify and also nuanced, to reveal nuances in the relationship between God and creation, to encourage you to exploit the richness of the intellect you were given at the moment of creation. I know all of my listeners cannot dedicate as much time to study theology or may not have interest in studying theology, and they have some sort of... um, loosey-goosey relationship with God, for lack of a better term. But the reality is that if you spend time with God, you will get called upon, or you'll get inspired to somehow help people, get engaged in people, because even if you study something, if it stays within your mind or it stays on a page, it doesn't really live until it enters into dialogue. And that's the power of the Genesis narrative, dialogue, 
God talking with creation, God talking with order and chaos, God speaking creation into existence from a state of nothingness. And prosperity gospel preachers, I think, base everybody on the same plane of existence that we all have access to, uh, we all have an interest in money, and that interest will form the basis or the cornerstone of a relationship with God. It's an interesting message. I know there's a local church, I don't want to mention their name on air, but they use that kind of title in their name, suggesting or signaling it's all about bringing money and prosperity into their believers' lives. And yes, there are numerous places throughout the gospel where those who were blessed by God will be taken care of by God. And this is a big aspect of my new book. We talk about how Moshe, Moshe Vino, Moses was given money to support his family and to support Am Yisrael that is mentioned in the Mishnah and the Babylonian Talmud that most people really don't discuss or don't know how the resources came to Moses to do all that. But God took care of him by allowing Moses to have access to wealth through following him. So I will not digress there because we do have a lot of questions to go through. But if you believe, no matter how you believe, God will take care of you in some way. It may not be you're going to be at, uh, you know, I don't know, per se in New York City or 11 Park Avenue restaurant, one of the top restaurants in the world, but you will be provided for. You will not go without hunger and your needs will be taken care of. Whatever they are, however they need to be taken care of, you must have faith and you must heal your doubt. Lots of doubts, lots of reason to doubts, but uh, through the grace and rachamim, um, the mercy of Hashem and, and the, the strength of Hashem, we need to heal. And it, even today, being Yom Hushuah, the Day of Remembrance, there's got to be still a perpetual healing to the Jewish nation, to the Jewish nation's role in the world. What does that mean that we had to suffer and endure, and yet we are here to give testimony that in an, we almost were on the brink of extermination, but somehow Hashem saved us, but why did he make us suffer? That kind of dialectical tension. And prescription counseling is about using that tension like on the surface tension, and jumping into a more divine place, not only for the self, but for the entire benefit of creation. So thank you, Angela. I appreciate the question. God only knows. These are questions that go far beyond uh, human comprehension. Something interesting that I recently studied, and I'll interject this here because I think this is a good place for it. We have questions. We always have questions. But how do these questions find us? How do we nurture these questions? And what do they mean for our relationship with God ultimately? Is it for the quest of the knowledge? As we open the show, is it about me? Or is it about me and you, God? Or is it about God being the me and I'm just whatever? So something that was interesting, I, I've been doing a lot of study in 
a rabbi who was a student of the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon, um, very big rabbi, 19th century, I believe. And he, he did, wasn't known for Kabbalistic teachings. He was more known for machmir or traditional Jewish observance. But he did teach Kabbalah, which is a very different system than we know from the works of Itzhak Gloria, who is known as the Ari of Blessed Memory. But here in Rabbi Itzhak Isaac Hever's book, that was the student of the Gon who recorded the, uh, the Graz teachings of Kabbalah, there's a great book. Um, how do I translate this for an English audience? Basically, it's called The Enlightenment of the Heavenly Halls, and it reveals certain secrets that are in creation and above creation, and something that it opens with really hits you hard. I mean, I've, I've read sections of the book, but I never really started at the beginning, and that's a whole other story on itself, why I did it like that. But yesterday I was studying in a Hevra, a group of people, and I introduced them to this book, and of course we want to start at the beginning. And at the beginning is the right place to start because the book discusses how Genesis creates a path to access heaven, and there is a secret in Genesis. We read the Genesis narrative, something you hear every week on this show, how I'm important it is if you do not read anything else in the Bible, open the Bible to the first page and read that narrative. It will change your life. But there is a deeper level to that narrative, and I'll share it with you today. Uh, something that the Grah was teaching about is that there are seven openings in creation, but they're really not seven. There's nine. There's nine, not seven. And when you hear that, your mind is sort of like nine, nine, wait, 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 nine, the seven on the page, seven days. Hashem rested on the seventh, but there's nine because something existed before the first and something's going to exist before the last. Mind-blowing. What those things are that existed before the first and what's going to exist before the last, we're not allowed to think about, but the reality is there's nine there. And that gives us a little more illumination on why there was a mo evening and a morning before God created the sun and the moon. So these are things that I think about and deeply, deeply um, contemplate in my own prayer life, in my own relationship with God, how these could help draw me closer and give power to my ministry to help people really cry out to God. And most of this knowledge is sort of distilled in the new book that's coming out and also coming out through the prescription counseling ministry in terms of taking these esoteric ideas and distilling them to practical applications for everyone's life to grow closer, to understand, and to really come to this notion that we call in Judaism to l fear and awe of God, that you must have fear and awe and be in balance of all times. So you each one of you listening or writing or trying to communicate with me in some way or maybe praying right now over the radio show God, God willing you are praying as you're listening you could do two things multitasking with God is permissible during the show that you are going to have a deeper more meaningful more impactful relationship with God to change yourself and the world around you next question this is a multi-part question and it's kind of interesting because it's a local listener Ben, I listen to your show every week, but I'm afraid to call because I think I have too many questions. So I want to write a few down and see if you can respond to some of them. And there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Um, how can you have hope if your life is really bad and you're always on the short end of the stick? 
why does God make life so painful and some people and some nasty people get great wealth and success? Can belief in God really make me feel confident to conquer my own demons? Why does God permit so many religions to exist in the world? Isn't one religion better than the others? If I wanted to go back to church, which church would you recommend? What did, why did you start prescription counseling? Did you ever have doubts about God's existence? Did they impact your faith? Do you ever get mad at God? Why doesn't God love me and help me with my life? Avoiding a divorce and arguments with my ex. And what book would you suggest me to read that, to help me to deal with these types of questions? See what I mean? I just can go on and on like the Energizer Bunny with my questions. If you have any answers, I'd love to hear them. Sincerely, Maria from Bergenfield. Well, there's a lot of questions there. Um, any one of them could be a show onto itself. But the reality is that all your questions do have a common theme, and that's humanity's ebb and flow with the divine. We live in an earthly dimension, and we have earthly problems. Sometimes we cannot access the divine to conquer them as easily as we want. We could access it at all times, but the question is, what is the distraction of the earthly desires, wants, pain, sufferings, that are preventing us from seeing the goodness in God's creation. And we know that all creation contains goodness because that is a big word that is repeated throughout creation in the first chapter of Genesis. God created and said it was good. So if it's not good, it's not coming from God. Or it's not entirely as divine as it could be, and we have to bring the divinity and God to it. Of all your questions, I can't really get to all of them on this particular show, but I'll try to address some of them in, in the weeks ahead. I would say that basically, yes, I'm human. I do get mad at God at times. Who doesn't? I uh, never really had doubts. That's something that has been really absent, Baruch Hashem, from my own faith journey, and it has been a journey of faith. I never had a doubt about God's existence. I always believed that God existed, that God made the world, that there was one God in creation, and how to get closest to God was the question, and how to shape my life to experience that oneness really inspired me in my faith journey. Um, I do not have recommendations for any particular type of church you should attend. I don't know what you would feel comfortable, what works for you, where you are in your faith journey at the moment. And the, this question will wrap it up with this. The book you should read, of course, besides my book, I'm going to do a Trumpian plug for myself, but no, you should not just read my books, but they are helpful, but you should read the Bible. The book that I would make you read is the Bible. Of course, Genesis, as you know, is very particular, but if you're going through these types of questions, I would highly suggest a reading of Psalms. Just Pick a psalm, start in the psalms, uh, and work through the psalms so that God, you could see the interaction and how humanity and the divine, how David was writing these songs to God at distressful periods of his life, how enemies were upon him or acting upon certain people, and what you can draw from that emotional connection in seeing that ebb and flow in the psalm would, might help you with all your questions and also help you get into a deeper, more productive relationship with God. So Maria, thank you for that set of questions. I'll call that the matrix set. That's the matrix email. I've never had so many questions in one email. It's really the fact that you're questioning is a great thing and you should keep on questioning. And don't forget that the questions themselves may have very important lessons for you in your own life 
and what God is asking of you to get you closer to where you need to be. Yes, on we go. And more questions. I, I can't believe I use that adjective, Trumpian. That's really new. I, I, I can't imagine how Trump is impacting dictionaries and all kinds of things besides our Facebook feeds with amazing postings about Trump. So inventive. Um, we'll leave that for another time. But uh, here's another listener who writes locally, or pretty locally. I'm surprised the uh, hears of our show out there. But... Ben, I met you many years ago at a Sunday worship event and was impressed then, as I am impressed now, that you, with your love for God's Word, and especially its flowing powerfully and meaningful, meaningfully through your life. You might remember that after the service, I told you that if you had your own church, I would go every Sunday just to hear your sermon. So, does Prescription Talk have any in-person weekly service meetings? that I can travel to in the New York area, question mark. And can you tell me what Bible verse would best help me deal with my disappointment and disgust at the state of world affairs? Prayers for your success and blessings. Richard from Morristown. Richard, first of all, I'd like to say thank you. Yes, I do remember you from that service uh, when I was a chaplain down in Princeton. It was very impressive. And I have to say, it has been many years uh, since I was able to do those kinds of services in the Princeton area. But I draw significant inspiration uh, in my daily life when I think back to my service as a chaplain uh, when I met you and how inspiring all those prayers were as I'm riding around New York in this very secular existence and what God has blessed me with and what I'm capable of doing, which is why we're starting Prescription Talk Counseling to reconnect to that Ruach, to that Spirit of God. To give you some sort of guidance, you ask a very vast and ambiguous question that doesn't have a clear answer. And since I really appreciate your continued interest in my ministry and its evolution, I did think about your question very carefully before responding, and I, I did s- was brought to these three passages in the Bible. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Why is that important in terms of dealing with disappointment and disgust at the state of the world today? 
something good is going to come out of this chaos or whatever you think is causing your disappointment. Perhaps there's an opportunity that is being missed. Perhaps there is a greater blessing that we just can't see. But if you are feeling, you know, anxiety and fear, Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. So I think getting back to an earlier question, what is prescription counseling all about? Here's a perfect example. Richard, in your email to me, you use the term disappointment and disgust. Very negative, loaded terms, very pejorative in their use and in their adjectival application. The Bible says words can bring cheer, can bring joy. You see that, you hear that, you could see that throughout the entire Bible. So instead of using those, uh, those words, disappointment and disgust, I think, you know, which a lot of people are doing and then making a very good living on that. If you watch, you know, various cable news networks, a lot of people have shows entirely based on disappointment and disgust and they're doing very well. And God bless them. But change the dialogue. Change the words. Instead of saying disappointment and disgust, think of what your role is to bring some sort of positive spin on what's going on in the world around you today. What you can do. What's within the purview of your control. And don't say that it's having a negative effect on you. It should have an inspirational effect on you. You should not feel disgust, but you should feel motivated. You should feel inspired by what's going on. And I'm not even, um, you phrase the question ideologically ambiguously enough, ambiguously ideologically enough, one of those two, strike it, reverse it, we'll use a Wonka term today, that I don't know if you're happy or sad with what's going on, but there's something causing you a disappointment and a disgust, and you need to change those adjectives in your vocabulary. Because if you don't change those those adjectives, how is the abundance of God going to manifest itself in your life? Very, very, very important. You need to reconfigure, reposition the mind to think about ways to change how you think and how you describe the world. Because if it's a dire world and you describe it as dire, it will be dire because we know from Genesis, what we speak is what we create. So if you're speaking that is disappointing and you're speaking it's disgusting, it will be disappointing and disgusting. But if you change that dialogue and you get others to change their dialogue, you'll see miracles appear before you. And to anchor that to another previous question, if you look at Psalm 23 in its entirety, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing, and how he will lead you through the darkest of nights and and give you abundance of blessings that your table will never be empty and you will want to dwell close to God all the days of your life, that could really be the big blessing in all this, that your trust and what it means in growing close to God, creating a relationship where God is coming into your house and you're actually relying on God to provide for you on a level that will help you rise above your negative emotions and feelings and also grasp at or describe or create a world with more positive words and imagery that you could really, really make a difference. And I blessings upon you, Richard. I hope that your journey since last time I've seen you has been very successful and your own life is growing prosperous and not only monetarily, but spiritually and your health has been restored and you're having a wonderful time with your family and you found a church or you found someone that inspires you to listen to a sermon on a Sunday morning that is enabling you to ask deeper questions and grow deeper in your relationship 
with God. So blessings upon you. Next question. This is interesting. This is a very interesting question, actually. And I think it applies to a lot of people. Ben, so nice. My listeners call me Ben, not Benjamin, but Ben. Ben, I feel like I am losing my son. I am a single mom that works two jobs to help support my family and provide them the opportunities I didn't have growing up. We used to always go to church every Sunday, but he's dating a girl that rejects any form of religion and mocks, mocks our Christian faith and values. My daughter and I know she's really bad for him, but she, he is smitten, and he is now planning to choose a college to be close to her. There are other details about this that I do not feel comfortable putting in an email, but would you suggest a prayer or a Bible verse to help me save my son from her evil influence? Thanks for listening and your help with this. Elizabeth from Oakland, New Jersey. Evil influence, that's a, another loaded term. Um, I think we have to go to Ephesians, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, 531. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is also a theme that is present in Deuteronomy. That when a man grows up, they do bond with their wife, and they do move on with their life. That seems to be a biblical mandate throughout the Bible. A friend of mine who's having a child, and she specifically told me that she'd rather have a girl than a boy because a girl will always remain close to its mother and father versus a boy who will be going into his wife's family and be taken away, as she put it. Very interesting perspective, sort of aligned to your take on this, Elizabeth. But in a situation like this, I don't know where your angst is hidden. This seems to be a hidden angst in your words. Either you're disgusted that your son is dating, as they would say in Christian parlance, a non-believer, or you're disgusted by the fact this girl's taking your son away from you. So I, I don't know where the emphasis is. There's things here you don't feel comfortable putting into an email. So to give you a prayer or a Bible verse, I would, I would make you reflect on Ephesians 5.31 a lot since you seem to be very avid in your Christian faith. Think about what St. Paul was trying to tell the Ephesians in terms of family dynamics. I know you probably made a lot of sacrifices for your son if he's going to college. That's great. Lots of hitzlacha, meaning good luck to him and his work in college and the fact that you were able to get him there. But there comes a time when you must, um, you can guide, but you can't take on their mistakes. And, you know, being in ministry, it's different because I, they're not my family members, and I'm not emotionally invested to the degree you are in your son, obviously. But there are times you see people come to you, and they need help, and you give them help, and you can't tell them, well, if you don't do X, something bad will happen. You could suggest it, but you can't tell them, and you can't keep them from doing X, even at the risk of a great tragedy. That's their contract with God. That's their lesson. That's what they're supposed to go through. And there comes a point you have to let go and let God really do the work for that particular person. We could be vehicles, we could be vessels, we could be lights, we could help illuminate proper paths, but we've all been given a free choice, and if people are exercising their free choice in a particular way, we have to respect it and help to create harmony, and I, I pray for you and your family that you are finding that harmony in this next phase of your family's um, 
evolution as your son is going to go to college i don't know where your daughter is but you somehow find joy in that because that's what you really wanted and you see him growing up into the next phase of his own adult life let it go let it go can't hold it back anymore let it go let it go The next listener sends a very interesting and a very terse email. <laughs> it's funny. B.S. Benjamin Sapir, I assume. He asks, does God really exist? And how could God allow this, in quotes, to happen to the world? Is there any institution that can be trusted or can really help me appreciate God's goodness and holiness that seems to inspire you and your radio broadcast. Word, Jake from Potsdam, New York. Word, I never saw an email concluded with that salutation word. Well, Jake, goodness and holiness cannot really come, they, they are present in abundance in creation, as we discussed. All creation is living and thriving on goodness and holiness. That's the source of life in all creation. And the question is, how is it revealing itself to you? And the fact that you're asking the question of existence, this is a common existence, does God really exist? It's really, if you think of what we learned from the Graz student, uh, Rabbi Itzhak Isaac Hever, that there are really nine days in creation, not seven, you could also think there are three, um, there are three Abrahamic faiths, you know, Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam, but there's really five faiths, the one that came before Abraham and the one that will come after Islam, whatever that is. So here, there, uh, you're, you're in that non-existent phase, the one that existed before Abraham and uh, the revelation of Hashem to Abraham and, and the Jewish nation. You're questioning if God really exists. Well, the fact that you're in that state, somebody had to put that state up, didn't just exist by itself. You could say that all organisms are scientifically evolving and go down that path of, you know, the body is the organism and we're all chemicals and that's what's doing our faith thing. But your question is is juxtaposed in a particular way that's inspiring in the sense that you start off with existence and then you say that you see something inspiring me and you want to know where do I get my inspiration from? Very simply put, inspiration must come from God and God alone. One cannot look to an institution because as we know from Psalm 146 if we put our trust and faith in princes we know they end in naught and we are brought to dust with them so to answer your question you should trust that God is working through everything and you should find that aspect of God and believe that it exists and that should inspire you because that's what inspires me that if God God is always leading me somewhere. I don't know if I like where he's leading me, but he's leading me somewhere. And I have to say that that leading, that those, those in-between moments, the in-between of different stages and phases of life and how I move between those different stages and phases of life 
is what gives me complete trust and faith in the existence of God. And I pray that you, Jake, find a way to know what God looks like in your own life. Over the plain, he looks like the stars when the night's crystal clear. He looks like a baby when mother is near. His face is the moonlight reflected on snow. Yeah, everybody has to find their own way to to God, to know what God's face looks like in their own life, to see God's revolution in their own life. And that's a very personal, intimate thing. And I, I do hope and I appreciate all these kinds of questions from our listeners out there coming in and helping express themselves. I mean, they're welcome to call in live. It'd be very interesting to engage in these with these type of questions in a dialogue format like I do in a counseling session. But we'll take them as we can get them. And I, I think there's a lot of you who would be afraid to express these things in a live format for whatever reason. Um, you know, and you should be confident enough to express your faith and that should give you some joy and some comfort that you're allowed to express yourself in any format, whatever your questions are about God. It's r they're really, really important questions. And you should allow yourself the possibility to express them without feeling doubt, without feeling judged, without feeling anything negative. So we'll take a few more questions and then talk about the new book, perhaps. Unless we get a caller and we could engage that caller in a very interesting discussion about God. Um, and hopefully some of these conversations and some of these questions are helping you to think about your relationship with God as we go through a wide, wide array of questions. And we uh, have a question here from a local person, from TNAC of all places, who knew? Jason writes, is there any spiritual practice that you can recommend to help me form a deeper relationship with God. I feel very disconnected and I'm currently going through a lot of stuff. I love that term, stuff. Very elastic term, stuff. It's like a garbage bag. You could stuff it with stuff. Stuff. I'm going through a lot of stuff. I meditate and consider myself very spiritual, but I need something else for my life, especially now. I am open to new ideas, books, practices, worship traditions. Let me know, Jason. Okay, I'm sure we all have friends who consider themselves spiritual and not religious. It seems that spiritual is the acceptable term these days for people who are searching for something but don't really have a concretized relationship with God or a faith that allows them to understand God's role for their life. Think about that. I don't know what you're going through, Jason. I'm sorry you're going through a lot of stuff. New ideas, books, practices, and worship traditions. That's something for you to really consider. Uh, I don't know where you're going. Meditation 
is a buzzword. It seems that everybody is meditating today. It's meditation and yoga versus synagogue and church. Um, you know, people want to meditate because they're getting something out of it. They're going offline for that moment of meditation, meaning no smartphones, no iPhones, no computers. They're meditating, meditating. And if they're doing yoga, they're getting some benefit for their body. They're getting more flexible. They're seeing some sort of health improvement. Whereas if you go down the more traditional religious paths and you believe in God and you have an active faith with God and you talk to people like me who get excited about discovering an ancient writing or some sort of Kabbalistic secret uh, that helps illuminate the Torah or the story of Genesis in a different way, where's the benefit? You don't really see the benefit. There's not a tangibility to that kind of study, all that kind of worship. And where is the return? You know, we, we talk about this a lot especially in New York City, where everything has like an emotional investment component. If you go to a lot of theater, since Hamilton, this is the new buzzword since Hamilton opened, that you know, if I'm going to sit in the theater for two hours and 40 minutes and forget what it's going to cost me to see this show, I want to make the emotional investment worth it. I want to get something back. I want a show that takes me on a journey. And I could tell you a lot of shows recently opened that did not do that for me, but this is the buzzword now, emo emotional investment. And Jason, it seems you need to make that choice. Where do you want to emotionally invest your spirituality, your curiosity, and your desire to draw closer to God? Has he, has God is manifesting itself in your life right now? What is the aspect of the divine that's working through your practice, your concept of spirituality, and how can it help you get a return that's going to really help you deal with your stuff. I'm open to new ideas, books, practices, and worship traditions. Books, practices, and worship traditions. It sounds like a line from The Wizard of Oz that is set in some sort of new contemporary Christian format. Books, practices, worship traditions. Um, I don't know what your tradition, what you grew up with, and what I tell most people that come to me for um, prescription counseling or as we delve into very spiritual uh, ideas and notions about their place in creation and how God is working through their soul and what aspects of their soul need to be tended to through prayer, I always come back to this, this core belief that if you grew up in a particular faith, growing up in that faith as a child, there is something that... God placed you there for a reason. So no matter what faith you grew up in, use that as the launching point. Don't disregard it completely and say, it's not good, it's not working for me, I don't believe it, I'm damaged from this faith, God never lived in this faith, this faith corrupted me, this faith whatever. Change that dialogue to something more along the lines of, when I was young, and I was innocent before I was touched by the world and tainted by the realities and harshness of growing up and dealing with my stuff, I had a faith. I had an innocence. I had a belief. Like you knew your parents would take care of you because as a child, if they didn't take care of you, how are you going to get clothes? How are you going to get food? How are you going to get housed? And, um, you know, hopefully God bless you for having parents and all the children, you know, who are looking for parents and need parents. May God reconnect them or give them a family if, if they need a family because it's a very tough thing not growing up with a full family. But perhaps you have a family or that's not part of your stuff, but somehow you, you had innocence enough to get to this point in your life where you could write this question. 
And what do you really want to recapture in the new ideas? You want to recapture this type of security and safety that there is a spiritual force in the universe, i.e. God, that's going to protect you and help you deal with your stuff. He's going to be, God's going to be a partner with you in unpacking your stuff and dealing with your stuff and helping that stuff not keep obstacles in your way from getting to know God's ultimate plan for your life, which is why you were created and what you came to this earth in this existence to do. So Jason, I hope you find that helpful. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Practices and worship traditions. I, I would definitely suggest if you're open to meditation, I don't know what type of meditation, if you're doing guided meditation or you're just doing silent meditation or Buddhist meditation or Zen meditation. There's a meditation for almost any, there's even Kabbalistic meditation. There's a meditation for every brand of faith and spirituality out there today. When you meditate, there is an emptiness though. And that's where Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the last living Rebbe of the Chabad movement, had a great shirim on this and wrote extensively about meditation. That meditation is really a healing exercise, sort of like a prescription. Uh, it's a healing exercise, but it's dangerous. Unlike a prescription, meditation is dangerous because you're emptying yourself out and you don't always know what you're going to get. You're trying to go offline to the point of going to this point of nothingness. It could be dangerous. And also with meditation, it, oh, it should only be used for a particular set time to heal something. It shouldn't be used on a regular basis or especially a substitute for an active faith. So with that in mind, what needs to be healed and how could prayer help you heal that more actively? So instead of just meditating in a room with the lights off and some really cool new age music on, we've all done it or we've all attempted to do it or whatever we do in our meditative states, take a more active Engage your imagination more actively in terms of how God, how you perceive God in that moment of meditation and try to transfer that into a biblical dialogue or find some inspiration in the Bible or in a religious teacher or someone that has some sort of um, spiritual or universal guidance that could help you transform that concept that you're searching for, the divine in your meditation, to make it a more active feeling in your life and I assure you at the end of all of this if you keep searching God will find you and will empower you and will help you get over all the stuff you're dealing with even when the dark comes crashing through when you need a friend to carry you and when you're broken on the ground you will be found so let the sun come streaming in Cause you'll reach up and you'll rise again Lift your head and look around You will be found You will be found Yeah, I hope all my listeners and all the people who are encountering this program in some format, whether it's live right now or it's on iTunes, you're hearing this broadcast that you will be found and take comfort in the fact that you will be found found that God will find you and help you and elevate you out of the circumstances that are in keeping you down that are preventing you from having a very wonderful and abundant life 
We have more questions, but we'll save them for next week, and hopefully we'll have new questions for next week, and we'll have callers for next week who will actually not be afraid to call into the radio station. But I thank you for your questions, and do keep them coming. Uh, you could find out more about the show and what we're doing at Prescription Counseling at prayerscription.com. Uh, there's a link there for the podcast that are on iTunes, and the show is podcasting, um, and I may podcast as well uh, this week or next in addition to this live broadcast to interact with some of my listeners in a more uh, intimate environment who may want to go on air with me across a microphone. But before I wrap up today's broadcast, and I really pray that's all of you out there who've heard these words and those who even did not hear these words, that there has been some shift in the existence and the presence of holiness that can be seen and experienced in our daily existence. And something that we really drive home in this new book, the new book is titled Prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success, Biblical Inspirations from God's Goodness. And hopefully next week I will even be able to give you a coupon code for uh, purchasing this book. If you call the station, I will actually maybe even give away a book to a listener that's autographed uh, with, a, with a question, if my publisher doesn't mess things up. But I'm very excited about this book because it started off, uh, it was a longer process than I imagined. It started off from a very different point of view, and it ended with a very powerful message. And people who come to me basically want me to help them draft personal prayers for their problems. That's what they come for me for. That's why it's called prescription counseling. They get prayers. They get something that is directed towards them specifically because we're able to interact in the environment and I get to know them spiritually and be able to bring them to certain places spiritually that I can't do as easily in a wider format, but I can inspire people to do for themselves. And that is what prescriptions for Abundant Wealth and Success is about, inspiring people to actually go out and write their own prayers based on formulas and based on names of God that are revealed in Genesis and Exodus that Abraham and Moses used, how the goodness of creation is all there for all of us, that we are all able to experience this, and we just might must, must, must take a moment, take a breath, and remember the breath that God breathed into Adam at the moment of creation that has been detailed in Genesis 1, that God brought Genesis 2, that God breathed his spirit into Adam, and Adam became a human being. And that breath of God, that Ruach Elohim, that, that exists in creation, it is still there for all of us. We are breathing that air. And we are all direct descendants of the narrative, if you don't believe in the story, but if we are all direct descendants of that narrative of Adam, and each breath we take, we must go and recapture that breath of Adam. So we'll talk more about the book next week. And I really thank you all for listening um, to this week's edition of Prescription Talk Radio here on 1160 The Voice WVNJ. This is Benjamin Sapir. I hope you have a wonderful week, and please do visit prayerscription.com and keep the questions coming at the email address of info at prayerscription.com. So, in the weeks ahead, by the time we get together next week, we will all be in a different place because five days will pass. We've shared powerful knowledge today, and hopefully 
you will use that knowledge to transform your lives and move yourselves from places of despair to hope and also use better language to describe your circumstances because through the power of your words and your words alone, you create the reality, you create the world around you the way God created creation. Benjamin Sapir, Prescription Talk Radio. And we have one other question that I've just been given, but I don't know if we can get to it in its entirety. We do have a caller. Oh, my, this is exciting. But, of course, you would call too late. I will address this caller off air, and hopefully we can discuss this or get this caller to call back next week. Benjamin Sapir, Prescription Talk Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Truly appreciate it. See you next week. Same time, same channel. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are solely those of the host and not necessarily those of the station, its ownership, management, or staff.